Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positive Pessimist Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaither. Hope you guys are doing well. I have a special guest today. My guest is Scott McKay from Tipping Point Radio and the Patriot Street Fighter. Great dude, wealth of knowledge. I'm looking forward to having him on here in a minute. Uh, before I get him on here, though, I would like to tell you that February 24 through 27, that's Wednesday through Saturday, I will be headlining the Looney Bin Comedy Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's Wednesday through Saturday, six shows, February 24 through 27. The uh, website to the comedy club is looneybincomedy.com. That's L-O-O-N-Y-B-I-N comedy.com. Phone number is 501-228-5555. Uh, we'll be there, and uh, it's a great club. Looking forward to coming back. And uh, so, yeah, make sure you go to that website or call that number for reservations. And make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. It helps me out. It helps my family out. I'm going to have a wide variety of things on this channel. I'm going to have more people like Scott McKay as often as possible. I'll be interviewing fellow comedians. I've been doing this for a living now for over 20 years, so I know a lot of comedians and a lot of great people in this business I'm going to talk to. I'm also going to have something on Wednesdays called Wrestling Wednesday on this podcast. I've done about 25 to 30 of them already. And uh, past and present wrestlers, coaches, referees, you name it, anything to do with wrestling. I just had uh, Scott Casper from ESPN Radio, Takedown, USA Takedown is the name of the show. But today our guest is Scott McKay, and I can't wait to bring him on. I love this dude, and uh, let's bring him in. So how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. It's, uh, it's getting crazier out there, isn't it? Yeah, I guess you're from Pennsylvania, so you're used to uh, the cold weather that you're, that you're oh, dealing yeah. with. In this Texas. is the finest in weather warfare, cabal weather warfare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, go ahead and bring the best game you got, cabal players, because I grew up in this shit. No big deal. Bring it. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get started on this, I wanted to ask you, uh, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people interested in this question. Um, I know you did, you were a bodybuilder and everything else, but... I also know you're 56 now. How do you manage to stay so jacked? Well, I, I can probably the best answer I have for that is have you ever have you ever seen a Snickers bar uh, sitting out in the sun on a hot summer day on a picnic table just sitting there? Yeah. Yeah, it looks fine. Take the wrapper off. It looks like a completely different story. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my reality right now. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, um, I haven't been in, um, the, into a gym for about 20, 20 months, but maybe 15 times I had a, another major, uh, reconstruct on my, my left leg from that catastrophic crash. So yeah, add a lot more metal into my skeleton. So that, that took another, uh, about a year and a half out of, out of my, you know, my, my wellness operations, um, but um, and and I've been sitting in front of this this uh, this computer and this screen and camera for the last couple of months, nonstop. So I need to turn it all around, and I'm about ready to begin that process right now. But I had I had some issues, you know, these kind of inj- injuries you have when they're reconstructing it like that takes time, takes a lot of time. Yeah. So that that just kind of took me out of commission. But for the most part, when I'm in a normal situation. I just keep my carbs virtually non-existent, except for all the all the uh, green leafy stuff, all the colorful stuff, and then I eat you know a fair amount of saturated fat and you know moderate amount of protein. I just I just make sure I keep the carbs non-existent, and then I do you know I, my workouts are very short. Um, for the last fifteen years, they've been massively high intensity and high speed 
and very short, um, like a like a sprinter on a track versus a marathoner. That seems to kind of keep me somewhere in the game. But regardless of what I used to look like, I you know, folks, uh, I think that for the first time, it's actually surprising. I look back at it now and uh, LT had shown me his competitive pass. And we did a show prior to that and he was, he was jacked. I was like, wow. So my, my fans always wonder, ask that question. So I rolled some photographs from back, back when I was still on that stage. And, and I had to explain to him, look, let me be very clear. I've been a has been longer than most of you people have been alive. So don't expect anything like that. Um, but uh, def- definitely need to turn that around a little bit. It's been a tough, tough 18 months. Yeah, that was it. When that accident was 18 months ago? No, the, the catastrophic crash was uh, this April, seven years ago. Okay. Um, it, it just took me, you know, four to five years to make that comeback and, you know, get back to where, you know, it was relatively normal, but then I had to have this, I've got enough metal in me to build a bicycle. Yeah. So they had to add a a lot more to my left leg. And, uh, so my femur is held together by a very long nail and a very long plate. My, my uh, tibia is, is held together by a a nail from knee to ankle. And then of course I've had my ankle reconstructed, uh, foot reconstructed, a lot of metal pelvis screwed into my spine to hold it in place, bolted together in the front right above the pubic bone, spinal fusion. <laughs> I mean, I figure when they come out with that Terminator 17 or 18, I'll be ready. They can't turn me away. What happens when you go through a uh, airport, uh, um, whatever the hell they're called? Um, why am I losing the word? Oh, the, yeah, the, the detectors. I, yeah. I, I just kind of like that. If you ever have seen the blacklist with uh, uh, Raymond Reddington, where he walks into the first episode, he walks into the FBI building, Asks for the deputy director, hands over his ID, then he turns around, just drops to the floor and puts his hands behind his <laughs> knees and lets him go to work. <laughs> Except they don't pull out a bunch of guns on me. <laughs> yeah. So um, um, a lot of the people that are going to be watching this are very familiar with who you are. But for the people who aren't, um, can you give a brief synopsis of why you why you do these live streams every single night, almost every single night? I have no good idea or reason. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <clears throat> because my, my because my listeners are unforgiving. If I don't do them every night, they, yeah. they, it took them two months for me to talk them into letting me take like weekends off. <laughs> but uh, I um, I think we are in the most exciting, most consequential, and biblical moments of all of humanity's existence. And I can't waste a minute of it. And I talk about this all the time. It's like I wake up every day. It's like Christmas in Disneyland. Like what's going to emerge if you know what to look for to see these events? And that's why I kind of need my readers, but I wear them quite often because look at my eyes. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I tell Goldilocks, I look like a damn raccoon. And this is me. I haven't had a chance to shave today uh, because it just is that busy. But when I did this live stream on the 12th of November last year, the first live stream I've ever done, I've been doing this radio show and I created a radio show called the tipping point on revolution radio. So, and, and I just, for, and, and the funny thing about it, Tim was this radio show was meant to be a, an, a, a show on consciousness and ascension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it turned out to be the other end of the spectrum, but I just got tired of, Having been in the world of politics, working political campaigns, managing campaigns, you know, working my way eventually, I hope Washington, so I could be a, you know an elected official. Um, 
I walked away in 06 because I just realized the machine is corrupt. 911 was what it was, an inside job by the Bushes, the Cheneys, the Clinton cabal powers, uh, the Bolshevik uh, faction outposts of Israel, the, the Kazarian mafia powers, all that, all, all these criminals. And you realize that these people are all in on a different game. So, so then I just I walked away and went on with life and business and and then I started this radio show a year ago because I couldn't stand being on the sidelines. Uh, Trump was the resurrector for me, uh, and when he made his announcement in 2015, and uh, and then when I started a radio show, and and then a friend of mine asked me, "Hey, got some friends? They're worried about this. What's happened? The election, quote unquote, you know, lost." So we did a we did a um, a Zoom meeting for a bunch of his friends at a barbecue, and and it had an impact because we put it on my YouTube channel. And it just went, you know, 15,000 views, I think, in three days, something like that. But, wow, people really are worried about what's going on. So I just said, you know what, I'll keep doing this and I'll just do a live stream. So that first one I did, it just went nuclear. It's being passed around even today. And, like, I got, you know, kind of my heroes that I watch, like Robert David Steele, who I'm going to be interviewing tomorrow, by the way. It's going to be exciting. Awesome. And Lynn Wood, Lynn Wood putting that video months and months later. Sorry, I'm messing with my pen here. Months later, they put it up. Um, Rob, I think Robert might have the other few a week ago but but when Lynn Wood did it got four million views in two days and and I still am I'm still perplexed by that it was just me like okay here's what's going on you know the, the whole military operation the uh, de facto military presidency of Trump which is still underway uh I'm I'm taken back by all of it truly I mean like I'm stunned by this uh this this reaction I call it an overreaction but Quite honestly, this gives me a platform to unload the angst that's been in my soul for uh, decades, minimum 20 years. Um, and in, in the process, I get to basically spotlight all these scumbags. And, and I'm sick and tired of everybody being afraid to call these people what they are. They are criminals. They are part of a criminal empire in D.C., politicians, virtually all of them. And yeah, we, we know who the good guys are. A few, very few, very, very minor faction. But yeah. And it's time we drag these cockroaches into the light, hit them the spotlight, show people that they're not all powerful. They don't command nearly the power that the U.S. citizen does. And uh, let's kick them out. Let's let's wreck this entire uh, uh, architecture of Washington, D.C. completely. Bring the whole damn thing to the ground because it's built on a satanic architecture. You can see it from the air. Everything they've done, even the Washington Monument, when you learn these things, it's like – uh, so that's my passion. It is my passion to deliver my victory for humanity, whatever the cost. If a soldier is taken that oath and he will defend that document at all personal cost, then why do I not require the exact same sacrifice if that may be? Yeah. Why not? Why does it have to be a guy who goes on a battlefield, only those people, men and women, who are in harm's way, in forward areas, fighting wars for these bankers to make money and uh, quote unquote, thinking they're really defending the document. But I, as a citizen can just sit here and enjoy the world that we live in, although it's deteriorating and not have to pay a price. And I said, uh, you know, I said this for, for, you know, back when I was railing away and, you know, the simple fact is I don't want fame. I don't want money. I don't want power. I want freedom, period. That's it. Freedom. Leave me the hell alone. Stay out of my affairs. Let me make my own way. And that's it. Uh, but these people don't want to get out of our way. They they don't want to just get in our way. They want to put us down. And until somebody stands up and starts swinging back at these criminals, we're done. It's over. Uh, and I just uh, I feel this. I feel this unrelenting 
drive toward um, recruiting people to uh, to come into their own and realize their own power, project it onto these scumbags, this global criminal central banking system, this Babylonian money magic slave system, help our military on our side, bring the whole shit show to the ground, and let's get this planet back on the footing that our creator had intended for us. Um, and this octagon, octagon mentality where we fight it out, God's kids, for what small spoils there are when his planet can give us the abundance that we can only dream of in biblical terms, which is right. We're right on the edge of it now. So, so all I can explain is as tired as I get. And I, you know, look, Hey, tired. These guys in world war two had no days off in four years. Yeah. So for me, I don't care how tired I feel, look, or if I look like shit doesn't matter. This is war for me. It's my war. And, uh, I'll fight it every day. And I'm having a blast doing it. Cause I get to meet people like you, have all these wonderful Patriot Street Fighters around the world now, and it's a growing army. It is a movement that just keeps growing, and uh, how can you not want to keep fueling that fire? These people are waking up. You know what? He's right. Uh, it's time we say enough's enough. We're done with these people. They've let us down. They've destroyed the planet, destroyed humanity halfway, and we're kicking their asses out, and we're going to do it the right way. So. That's the long track version of why why I do this every day. Well, I think the reason that it's growing and and resonates with people is because the the truth resonates with people. You know, even if they didn't know it before they heard it. You know, I think that is uh, a lot of what you preach is the truth about uh, how evil this goes and how deep it goes. And uh, um, you know, I just I I would like to thank you, and I know a lot of people thank you every day for what you do because it does give people hope. Because uh, we're in a pretty, un, you know, depending on who you ask, it's a pretty uncertain time and people don't know what to believe in. And whenever I, whenever I feel that way and I watch your show, I feel better and I feel like there's hope, you know. And uh, so that, that goes a long way. Um, and I wanted to ask you this, speaking of, uh, you know, recruiting people to get in the fight and all that, like, I have a desire to do that, and I've been doing it, you know, like on Facebook and that kind of thing as much as I could can. But, you know, for someone who's done comedy for a living for 20 years, uh, I still worry too much about what people think. Um, what would be your best advice to not only say you don't care what people think, but to genuinely feel that? Um, I understand that completely because I, um, I have, I have these moments um of clarity as well of how i sound and to some people but at the end of the day you got to realize something us being mr nice guy to the opposition to the lunatic left to the people that the shills that i got to deal with all that bullshit um I have I had to look at this closely because if my mother were alive today and she heard the way I speak, you know, openly or, or calling people names and scumbags, um, I don't think she'd be too happy or proud, maybe proud that I'm fighting the fight. But the simple fact is we have stood by and let these people, the left, the radical left, the rhinos, the pinos, all these people say all this shit for years. And we just try to, as I said about the, the weak Republican, the cowardice Republican party, as they have been for decades, they allow the enemy to use their virtues against them. And I realized that this isn't about maintaining for me, 
a public image that I've maintained for many decades in my life because I figured the day was going to come where when I throw my hat in the ring on my way, hopefully to the United States Senate, that people were going to look backward into my, into my history. What kind of guy is he? What kind of temperament does he have? You know? Um, so I, I maintained that. And, uh, but now I don't care about that. I have no interest in any of that. And, and we have a war to fight. And if it's a war with words and so be it, because if that keeps us from a war that becomes kinetic, then that's great. I had a guy that reached out to me. He's a good guy. He reached out to me last night and copy and pasted something he got from one of his buddies about they didn't like my show because everybody puts demands on you. If you don't keep feeding information, et cetera, then they come out and they say stupid shit to you. So I just came back with him and said, hey, they can leave the channel anytime. And he said, you know, you're really not going to recruit more people to you, you know, for, for, you know, that kind of attitude. I'm like, that kind of attitude, that's the kind of shit I want to vacate the channel, right? I'm not here to feed people. I'm not here to shove a bottle in their mouth and rock them to sleep and make them feel comfortable. If they want information, I tell them, go dig the information up yourself. I'm not here for that. You don't pay me. Uh, I don't charge for my information. I get donations that come in, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But I don't allow anybody to tell me what to do. I don't allow anybody to tell me how I got to live, including a listener, including a shill, including a friend that tells me, hey, my buddies don't like what you're saying. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Tell them to go to another channel. Tell them to go to a cooking show. I don't really care. Yeah. I'm not here to make people feel good, at least in the terms of if they don't like what I say. I'm here to fight a war. I'm here to fight a war in the enemy. And all these knuckleheads, even patriots, you know, we get a pa- patriots attack you, they attack me. They're not patriots, right? They're, they're pinos. They're patriots in name only because they say they want us to fight a war against this criminal empire, but they want to fight us. And I look at these people. I'm like, you're on a, you're on a bench. You don't matter if you want to come in and attack anything that I say or any of the digital soldiers are saying you have just this excluded yourself. And people say, what about free speech? Look, if you were so worried about free speech, you would have been fighting this war against these people that we're fighting right now. Yeah. You don't give a shit about that. You're just looking for some, some, something to bitch about. You want to pick something out, hammer somebody over who's out here putting their, their time on the line, their businesses, their incomes on the line, and in many cases, our lives on the line. And then we got to listen to this bullshit. I'm like, I don't have time for it. Uh, you know, this isn't a business for babies. It's a business for men yeah. and, and tough women. Because this is an opposition that we have to face the facts that they are satanic, they're killers, they're murderers. This is not a game. This is what we have to do. And anybody wants to get in any of our way here, any digital soldiers in our way as we're trying to fight this while they're sitting on the bench, I just clear them out. And I want people to realize we lose this nation if people don't learn to fight. I don't care if they fight each other. Learn to fight. You have an oppositional viewpoint, some shill, whoever, getting in, in, in your way or sending me the stuff that I get. Guess what? You're getting wrapped on the beak. There are no free passes on, on, on the Patriot Street Fighter Hour. We're here to show people what's going on, to wake them up, teach them how to fight like an American, to, to regain our freedom and destroy this criminal elite political class. That's plain and simple. I don't know. Um, I got a little passionate about that. I guess somebody really got on my nerves yesterday. And uh, but again, nobody gets quarter here on this show. On my show, nobody gets quarter. You're either part of the problem, you're part of the solution. If you're part of the problem, boot, you're getting out. So I don't. Like I said, this guy said that I'm not in this to recruit big numbers. I'm not in this to look at my numbers and say, oh my goodness, I got to change what I say 
to make sure I got more listeners. Hey, there's a lot of other channels out there that are going to feed you the information the way you want it. You don't need me. Go over here. Yeah. Find somebody that fits you. You're going to be happy. Here, this is verbal kinetic war. And if I don't feel like uh, shooting my weapons right out of the gate and I'm covering some updates or, you know, how you find us or, you know, all the things that we kind of touch on for the real listeners who love our show. Here's what's going on now. Here's something humorous that happened to me today. That's part of the movement, all these things. If you don't want to hear that. Great. Don't come on the show. Um, so it, it, it irritates me, believe me. And people say, you know, don't let them get under your skin. Come on. We're all human. Right. And the best thing to do is get under my skin. Why? Cause I'm going to hit back. I'm going to hit back because I want my listeners to learn you need to hit back. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting on a bus with three masks on sitting down because they're telling you to do that. Yeah. You got to fight on every single level here because we got to regain our freedom and we have to end this bullshit that we're supposed to be this passive sweet, you know, citizenry in this country. It damn near got us all killed. So for me, um, you either fight with us or, you know, if we have to turn our guns on you, we're going to turn our verbal guns on you too. Yeah, I, I love what you said about the masks a couple of days ago. You know, with the people that come up to you and say certain things. Like, I've had I've had my issues with that. Um, on the twentieth, when all this went down, my wife and I and my son were going to uh, to back to Kansas to see my family, and so I could work at this comedy club. And uh, they wouldn't let my son on the plane because he's two years old and he wouldn't put the mask on. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, so if he was 23 months and 30 days, he'd be, or 20, you know, he'd be fine to not have a mask on. But since he's 24 months and a couple days, he's supposed to understand why you're wanting to put this thing over his mouth and his nose. And this guy at the park the other day, um, you know, he, he, he got mad at my son. He's two years old and he's touching this other little kid, just touching him, not even hitting him or anything. And, uh, the guy's like, don't you touch our son. And I had to be like, hey, buddy, he's two years old. And, you know, we're not wearing masks because, one, they don't work. And asymptomatic people don't pass it on and all the other bullshit that they've told you. Um, so my son is not old enough to disrespect your son. And that's not what we're doing. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to be nice about it. But at the same time, you're not going to yell at my two-year-old, you know, about because you're too brainwashed to know that you don't need to wear a freaking mask it, it, people i wouldn't be surprised if people showering them out here i mean it's just absurd <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised either brother <laughs> yeah um look i can tell you this people are fighting back tim i i actually um one of the guys that i'll have on the show uh he's he's a guy that has been part of an organization like big brothers big sisters type of thing helping kids find mentors. And he's an extremely wealthy businessman who the cabal destroyed his business, his, per, his home, his everything, took everything from him. And of course he's 75 and building that back is not something that's inside of him, but what's inside of him is saving our kids. Cause so many kids out there don't have direction, guidance. They don't have a mentor, somebody, an adult, so like a successful person or anybody they can talk to and get guidance in life. They're lost. So this is what he does. And he was telling me last night, um, He's going to be, I think, down in Ventura. He said, yeah, my doctor is a great doctor. He's got a bunch of buddies, and he said, they all follow you. And it's always mystified. I'm like, really? Yeah, it just surprises me. But he said, oh, yeah, they're huge fans of your show. In fact, we're meeting down there next Tuesday, having a meeting, got to watch your show. And he said they're strategizing on how they can, you know, help pick, wake people up. And I'm thinking, are you? I said, are you kidding me? I said, man, that is freaking awesome that these are professionals. These are These are very credible people. They're now having gatherings on how they're going to be pushing back 
this on this public narrative, especially to all the deaf, dumb and blind people in California that won't fight. And I was just I was so impressed by that. That just totally and not just because they watched the show, but because they're taking a position now. They're ready to fight back. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, we we have seen enough video footage of these brain dead people oppressing those in public who refuse to destroy their immune system with masks. So now when somebody hits me in public with something, something like that, I'm like, if you, oh, you want a scene? Here's your scene. And I turn it around <laughs> and I hammer them. Yeah. I don't care who's around. You're going to put me in, you're going to, you're going to make a scene with me in public. I'm going about my business because why should your fear enslave me? Right. And I don't let him get away with it. I had a guy two days ago coming out of the UPS store. I was coming out. He was going in. We passed on, I was on the way to the door and he had two masks on and he, and he, Made a bit, he ran out around me, made a big stink about not having a mask. I said, what the hell is your problem? You got two masks on. If they work, what are you worried about? Well, you're supposed to have a mask on. I said, for what? Yours works. What are you worried about? Yeah. And then he started saying some stupid stuff. And, and I said, you know what? He, he pissed me off. I said, you know what? You're, you're a forking idiot. And I said, <laughs> the real, still said it the real way. And I said, you're two masks. I said, you're twice as dumb as that guy, you know? Um, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be oppressed and made made an ass of in public. I'm going to turn it around. So I had to have them in a, in a supermarket here. These two millennials, same thing. And I basically had to point out, me not wearing a mask is at least your problems. Your your obesity is your problem. And I say that respectfully. My mom is a big woman, so I'm not picking on anybody. Yeah. But I'm thinking you're worried about me with no mask when you have allowed yourself to become like that health wise. I'm like, I just think I just am not. I'm at the point where Tim. It ain't going to affect my, the way I conduct myself in public. Now, I tell people, you really have to pick. You don't have to win every fight. We just have to win the war. There are some situations where people, you know, you just kind of wear that mask to some degree. I go to a barbecue place here. I put that mask on. It goes right over top of my lip right here. And I walk back to the back. It's a great barbecue place. And you got to go back to the ovens and you order right there. They slam it on paper, roll it up, hand it over, and you go out and sit down. Well, once I get my barbecue, boom, guess what? Off comes a mask. I go over to the bar, grab my beer, no mask. I walk out with no mask. In the beginning, they were kind of pushing on me, but they realized, you know what? He's not going to do it. And he's a nice guy and he's a customer all the time, you know? Yeah. But again, that's me picking my battle. Am I going to walk into that place with zero mask? I'm like, nah, I really love this barbecue. I'm going to work <laughs> with a plan a little bit. Yeah. You know, airplanes and things where you got to go somewhere and they're going to throw you off. I guess you work with it a little bit. Yeah. But when they're not looking, pull it down. Let it say, get your mask on. Okay. Walk away. Pull the mask again. What are they going to do? Have TSA arrest you once you get off the plane? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, my friend. Uh, but this is, uh, people say this, that we need, they need to step in and end the whole shit show of what we see happening here because we're fully awake now. I come back to the same thing until 80% of you out there are not wearing masks versus are wearing masks, you're still asleep. Yeah. You're, not you're not ready to take your freedom back. Speaking so, of waking people up, um, why why are all those troops still in D.C.? They're, are, what are they scared of? Good question. I, I don't think, certainly our guys aren't going to telegraph their moves, so they're going to make it look one way, and it's likely another. I believe it's captured territory. Washington, D.C. is foreign land, on our sovereign territory. It was instituted and it was set up that way. 
It was chartered by a foreign power, the British Crown. All these things people don't know after the 1871 or Columbia Organic Act of 1871, formed a corporation, basically took over this 10 square mile area. They made it Washington, D.C., District of Columbia. And, um, and, and that's where they are immune from prosecution for damn near everything. And that's how they became, you know, what they become. So I figure it's all fenced in for a reason. And, uh, you know, whether they're going to show us overtly, I doubt it. Um, but I, I think it's serving the purpose for the alliance powers, not the cabal. Yeah. You know, the people that drive me the craziest are the ones that don't realize that our founding fathers set this up for we the people and not for all these uh, politicians to get filthy rich by screwing us. And they, so many people just seem okay with it. They're like, you know, the answer I get all the time is, well, what, what can you do about it? And I'm like, well, you can keep speaking up, you know, uh, about it as far as, uh, you know, the fact that they get rich while they're on government salaries. It just, it just drives me insane. Um, when did you personally start to have questions about 9-11? Um. I, I, I can't remember exactly when, but it was certainly um, 2000. It was after the 2004 elections because I was running, managing a state assembly race uh, for Mark Eisler in California, great candidate. And uh, he's in Los Angeles in one of the districts there. So you can imagine how that is. It's like being in Apache country you know, yeah. as a Republican. Uh, we had, we had great, we made great inroads on that. Uh, if we had Kevin McCarthy, who was, controlling the purse strings back then in California, give us some money. We might've pulled off one of the biggest upsets in the country. But again, McCarthy was greasing the rails. Like all those guys do with money for the guys that could never win. Weren't even good candidates. So he could help his way to Washington and get into power structure within four years. Another miracle. Um, but I was working the second Bush election. I was a precinct captain for that one as well. Serving on the central committee, these things I was doing. So I didn't, it didn't occur to me by then. Otherwise I would have jumped ship. But it was sometime after that, and I looked at the Obama deception video, and I also saw Zeitgeist, I think, started looking at a few other things that started to show this evidence of the, the actual attack. And, uh, and, and that's when it really started that deep dive. And by 2006, I was, um, I was, I was out. I, I was out. I just I was retooling my life, getting out of Los Angeles, headed to uh, Summerlin, in Las Vegas against the Western mountain range there building a wellness center, high end wellness center. And, uh, even at that time, uh, Kevin Wynn was really helping me get a footprint in that community, Steve's daughter. And she liked our business model. And, uh, once they discovered my background, then of course they invited me over for dinner or something. I can't remember exactly what it was gathering or one on two on one really to have a conversation about me coming into the Nevada political architecture. And I respectfully, it was like, I declined. It's like, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. Uh, I have one interest money, you know, 16 years of some level of putting time in to the political realm brought me nothing except tremendous amount of lost revenue potential and other things. So I just said, I'm now just going to focus on business, but so it was 2006 forward where other than staying involved in digging, learning, uh, I was not active at all. So that's about the time that really came to me that there's something very wrong with this cabal. And I didn't know they were a cabal then, but the bushes and everybody, I thought, wow. And then, and then I, you know, didn't think I could do anything, thought I would just be powerless and 
Trump made his announcement speech in 2015, and I happened to catch it by chance. And I saw it, and I thought, holy cow, we have somebody. We really have somebody. And then I made my prediction as he was speaking. He'll, he'll win a nomination easily, and he'll be a landslide president. And uh, so that was a resurrector for me. Do you think that the truth about 9-11 will come out when uh, when Trump resumes his presidency? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why they're fighting so hard to destroy him. They don't want to beat him. you got to destroy him. Yeah. And destroying Trump means you destroy every part of the genetic lineage of the Trump family. Because the Kazarian Mafia has been in power for 1,400 years. And there's a reason why. They're very good at it. And they eliminate anybody of any genetic line that could come back in 200 years and say, I'm the rightful heir or whatever. I'm going to get even. going to work on bringing you down. Uh, they don't take those chances. They, they wipe out everything and everybody. Okay. And uh, even your your dogs, your pets, they'll take them all out. So uh, being the fact that you know Trump was willing to take make that move, he knew full well what it meant, and that the military had the plan that would be bulletproof and would bring it all down with his help. So do you think? Because he ran in 2012, right? Did they ask him in 2012, and he just couldn't win, or? No, I don't. I don't think he ran in 2012. I thought he did for some reason. I knew he was going to be a he was going to be a Reform Party candidate or something. Okay, uh, you know. But people, I have been under the impression that Admiral Mike Rogers, who was the NSA chairman um, under um, uh, Obama, that you know was the white hat that infiltrated to the highest power uh, in inside the agency. Um, reached out to Trump in 2015, had a conversation, met, went to Trump Towers unauthorized by the president, unauthorized, which got him in a world of shit um, through Brandon and Obama. I thought that meeting that he had with Trump to convince him to to run because they could unrig the, the, the stolen election that was already rigged for Hillary and that, the, that they, he would be completely protected and insulated. I thought it was one day. Then I heard it was two weeks of convincing him. Now I'm under the impression and belief this operation with Trump's involvement as he is has been underway for many, many decades. The plan's been underway for many decades. Yeah. But uh, the, the final phase of it in the 15 years before 2015, um, you know, that's that's the actuation now happening of that plan. But I certainly believe that Trump, through his family and others, has been involved, knew that the day would come. Trump said it in, in that one speech. He said, look, I knew this day was going to come. I just didn't know when. Yeah. Um, I think he's been in this faction of people that were orchestrating the takedown of the Kazarian Mafia, one with the once and final uh, takedown. So. Yeah. Yeah, I watched your uh, video on the Kazarian Mafia, and anybody who's watching this who hasn't seen it, um, go back in the archives of, uh, of, of your po- your podcast, your uh, YouTube, and, and find that, because it's very interesting and eye-opening about how long this has gone on and, and how deep it is. Um, I had a question a minute ago that I meant to ask, and I skipped over it. Um, I heard you say once that, that Hillary Clinton, in your opinion, is already dead. What, what makes you think that? Well, it's clear that the one that they put out there is not the real Hillary Clinton. It's obvious she's eight or nine inches shorter than the actual Hillary Clinton. Um, and the information that I get uh, from different sources, none direct, um, that are part of the programs, the secret space programs, et cetera, have all said the same thing. Um, she's she's, she's uh, 
Jean Decode talked about this. I thought she actually was hung at the ice worm base in Greenland when they had her there. Uh, but they said she died of Kuru. And Kuru is the disease you get because these Satanists consume their cannibals. They consume human tissue because it's part of what they do, and especially the brain because that's where the pineal gland is, and that's where what produces the adrenochrome, causes the adrenochrome production, which is, again, part of the satanic order. But Kuru is caused by consuming brain tissue. So that's why when you saw Angela Merkel a few months back where she's standing at some public event, she just she's standing facing forward, she just starts shaking uncontrollably. It's the most bizarre thing. She gets it under control in about 10 or 12 seconds, and then it happens again, and you think, this person would be like, I got to get out of here. She'd maybe fall to the ground and fake it out, you know, or something that she couldn't. And uh, so I understood that they just allowed her to die naturally of Kuru. Uh, they were extracting as much information that they could get out of her. That's what I understand. I Gene Deco said that's why they kept her alive as long as they did. But quite honestly, a lot of these people are gone. My belief, they're gone. These are just the actors that are acting out apart to bring people along slowly to the realities of the nightmare of what this planet really was underground primarily. And uh, they just have a cast of actors or right, you know, real actors who are playing out parts that are obviously, you know, doctored up uh, with, with the way they do that. And then there are other bad actors that have a gun to their head and they're playing out their role to save their lives. Um, or get, which means save their lives means spend life in prison in Guantanamo or wherever else they're going to be. And their families maintain their legacy without destroying everything around them that they've ever touched. So I believe that's what's happening here. Yeah. So like when you say they're actors and like Q says, we're watching a movie and let it play out and all that, is that part of uh, the Great Awakening? Like to slowly wake people up that otherwise would have no, that would just think all this is crazy? Has to be. If somebody would have dumped on me everything that I know, and I've tried this and it's blown up in my face, like especially the secret space programs. I was so excited about finally learning what I was learning. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This has been inside of me for decades. I knew there was an answer. And then I vomited all over other people like, this guy's truly off his rocker now. <laughs> Never call me again. I got a friend in California for, I don't know, 20-something years. Um, I think I blew him right out. He won't return text messages, phone calls. I think I called him before. Nothing. Like, all right, you made your choice. But quite honestly, I think whenever this all this stuff comes to pass, uh, you'd be like, holy cow. Yeah. Just tell the truth, you know. But I did it the wrong way. And uh, so now um, it makes sense to me why they have to, to – you don't throw a bucket of ice water on somebody's face to wake them up in their bed in the morning. They'll have a heart attack. Yeah. You know, you shake them early, you know, you shake them um, or touch them first. But that's they have to do this. I mean, they have to look. We see the anomalies and the ridiculousness of the things they're trying to put in front of our face on this faux presidency. Now, the soundstage, that's not the Oval Office, the White House being completely blackened out, dark, no lights on. They say somebody tried to sell say in a thread. Well, they do that at night. Just get out of here, you know, just leave. <laughs> it's never happened in the history of that White House. So, yeah. but you see the, you know, you see the, the earlobes on the Biden they have now, who is not the Joe Biden. I said that four years ago when he stepped forward, that is not Joe Biden. I've been watching this idiot for decades in the political arena. 
So, um, and people still don't get it. They still look at this stuff and they actually think that this is real. You never see them on Air Force One. And when they do have these in these SUVs that are dirty and look junky, right? And then what did you see the other day? Trump on President's Day cruising through a massive crowd in the beast. Yeah. What is the quote unquote ex-president doing in the car that carries the president of the United States? You see that. You see this other stuff. And you just have to say, when is it going to wake up to people that are going to occur? It's going to occur to Hey, something's not right here, you know. So now we're going to dump all this other stuff onto them about the SRA, child trafficking among the elites on the planet. They're not going to believe anything. Yeah, right? no, no kidding. So they got to keep doing this as long as they have to until the people finally <laughs> are kicked kicked awake. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I think the hardest thing that people have uh, about wrapping their brain around is the Luciferianism. Um, how how do you? How do you explain that to someone without sounding crazy? Because it it does sound crazy, but I got to tell you, I I personally believe it. Well, the evidence is everywhere. Um, I think if if you have information, uh, this uh, friend Ron told me once, friend of mine that works on the back end, he's kind of my executive assistant, I guess. He he's the one that uh, manages the Patriot Street Fighter line. He said, "I just say to people, look, whatever you do." Don't go read this publication. Just tell it. Take my word for it. Don't read this. You're, you just do not read this under any circumstances. What do people do? Well, I got to. I got to go read it then. Right? Yeah. Let them. Let them read it themselves. Let them go look at one thing and say, "Holy cow!" Because if they discover it on their own, then they have faith. They already know they're cynical and, and skeptical. Then they say, "Oh my goodness!" And then they go look for something else. And it, and it slowly turns them around. I think it's a great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I wanted to ask you about, what, what do you think really happened at the Capitol? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I, I hear what you hear. Um, you know, we're hearing about the tunnels, the traffic. Look, there's military, under, there are deep underground military bases all over the world. And there's a, a segment of our military, the rogue elements of military, uh, that have been conducting these uh, Air Force, comms in America, cartels, all these organizations and, age, you know, these um, even agencies that are trafficking kids for, you know, adrenochrome and all the horrible stuff they do. I've been hearing that under the Capitol, they've been excavating. I saw an aerial view where it looked like they'd excavated a whole section in front of it. I saw that and I'm like, is this... Photoshop, is it real? I don't know. But you have to ask yourself the question. First, if it was Photoshopped, why would anybody dream up an idea to get an aerial view of the Capitol when a whole area, many acres of it in front of it, are being excavated showing underground levels and tunneling systems? Why would somebody dream that up out of nowhere, right? Yeah. You got to ask that question first. Who would, is it to mislead people? If so, why do they want to mislead people about something like that? Do they want to show them something, make them aware of something? Why would they want to make them aware of something like that? Because there's legitimacy on some level. You know, if you look at, if you try to analyze it from that perspective, it's simply that question. Would you have seen something like that 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, even though these things existed? Um, likely not. Why? 
because we we're, were in a situation where there it was completely hidden all of it, and now that it's exposed and people are learning about it, that perpetuates a reason for somebody to release a picture like that. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's a yeah. false picture, why would you put out a false picture like that? It's supposed to evoke something for some reason. And then just because of that singular thought, it's meant to evoke something for some reason. Okay, hey, then there's a reason for all of that. Now let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When did you, uh, when did, was it hard for you to believe uh, when you first heard about the crimes against humanity, especially the crimes against children? Was it hard for you to believe it all or did you uh, believe it right away or? I, w- I was sickened by it more than in a state of disbelief. I think maybe the level of depravity of these people, but I've watched what they've done to this planet for decades. And, and, and I've said this before, my perspective that may be somewhat outside of the normal parameters of what people are used to thinking about is because my perspective is at probably 60,000 feet from geopolitical um perspectives because I've been looking at the geopolitics of the planet for decades because it's just been an interest of mine. And I see all these things going on on the planet. I can just pull one. It's, it's one that most people can remember. We've got these rebels in, in, uh, in Rwanda and they're running through the countryside, killing, killing Rwandans with machetes, not bullets with machetes, hacking them to death. And this goes on for months after month just rolling through, and they murder. They slaughter. They butcher 200,000 Rwandans. And here's the most powerful country on the planet. Clinton's the president. They did nothing. Yeah. Eight months. The UN, the trafficking organization on the planet, child sex trafficking. What did they do? Nothing. Eight months. And I was young. I was, I was, a, you know, I was in my 20s, but... I remember laying in bed at night, like half in tears, just content. He's, I don't know these people. I never yeah. been to Africa. Yeah. But for some reason, that kind of stuff has weighed on me my whole life. How on earth could human beings do this to other humans? And then these scumbags parked on the sidelines of allowing it to happen. Why? Now we know why. Yeah. We know why. Because this is what the satanic order does. This is what feeds them. Misery, uh, horror perpetuated on humanity, the negative energy. The, uh, the the orphan children now that they can take and serve up and do you know to the elites and them. Um, so when I first started seeing the SRA stuff and realizing that there's you know three million or three and a half million Satanists in this country, and there's many in government worship Satan. Literally, most people can't get an understanding that these people worship Satan. Yeah, um, these are people in the highest positions of power. And that's who these people are. That's why the world's gone to shit. People think it, and the thing that a problem I've had with religion itself, and you know, I'm a born again Christian, is that religion has been a tool of the cabal and the Satanists to make us believe that God wants us to suffer misery because it helps our personal spiritual ascension. I'll call bullshit on that to any any pastor on the planet because I know one thing. When I feel at my spiritual highest, it's when I'm happy. It's when I'm doing things that elevate my energy field. It, it, when you know, when you're when you fall in love, or you know, you're making love to your your soulmate, and those things that just make your vibration put you in a state of bliss, or getting your brand new Harley Davidson, big things like that. <laughs> um, they put you in this state 
That's when you are rising spiritually, not when you're supposed to just give away all your stuff and climb over broken glass and, and twit and, you know, barbed wire for, you know, all of your life. Cause it's going to make you appreciate your creator that much more. And you're supposed to suffer here the whole time. Guess what? Guess what? That's exactly what feeds Satan himself, misery and low frequency energy. Yeah. So therefore, um, forgot the point I, or what, what point I was making about that, but I don't believe our creator threw us in an octagon and said, okay, there's only so much go around. Go ahead, kids, fight it out. That's like you do, not to your little kids in the playpen. Yeah. They need some food, one bottle, three kids. Whoever's big and strong enough to get that bottle and get fed, the rest of you don't get fed today. It's bullshit. Yeah. That's what the satanic order has done with religion to make us stand down and accept, accept suffering and misery and scarcity. That's how they get us. Oh, that's godly. That, you know, that's is, this is going to help me some way, shape, or form. Um, I just have to call bullshit on it. Yeah, it, you know, I, I don't believe that God made us to uh, to not have abundant lives. And and when you look at when you look at the resources that are wasted in this world, you know, so many people have so much, and other people have nothing. And there's plenty of room to go around. You know, it seems to me. Um, and it's funny that you brought up Rwanda. Not funny, but. You know, I've always thought that too. You know, Bush back in the day sold that whole deal like we were going over to Iraq to uh, to uh, help these people. And it's like, well, now you're worried about helping people. You know, it, you weren't worried about the Rwandans. I mean, not not that he was the president then, but you know, just the the things that they tell us. And it seems like our our fellow citizens have such a short memory for the the crap that goes on. Um, so anyway, I, I, you also made me think about Bill Clinton when you brought up, because uh, he was the president in 94, um, when he pardoned the domestic terrorist Suzanne Rosenberg on her last day in office, did, did, did he ever give a reason for that? Does anyone even really know about that? Why would he do such a thing? Well, yeah, <clears throat> the people, the general public doesn't know. The people that are following these things, we all knew, and we know why. It's... Uh, you know, it's what they do. They're got to, they got to let their friends and, and their facilitators, you know, get them out. Uh, you know, they, they've served their time. Um, they did, the, you know, they raised the chaos that they did. And now I forget, is it Rosenberg now is one of the leaders of Antifa now? I mean, they got to get the criminals back out there creating misery and, and bombing the Senate building like they did back then. Um, She's the treasurer of Black Lives Matter is what she is. Yeah, treasure Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I mean, again, all perpetuating the same thing: crimes and violence, and you know, destruction. And imagine bombing Senate, the Senate building. Yeah, bombing it, bombing it. Yeah, and getting pardoned. Yeah, um, but that's who these people are. And she know. was caught with eight hundred pounds of dynamite, and they're just like, you know, on his last day in office. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, it just blows my mind. Um, I know you that it seems like you're a big fan of Reagan. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I've always been a big fan of Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, how did he not know what a scumbag George Bush Sr. was? Well, I'm sure he did. But again, um, he was forced on him when Reagan you know, won the nomination. He was forced on him. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he inevitably knew that it was Bush that made all three assassination attempts on him, the first one to try to take him out. Um, 
And that, of course, is, is, has been already proven in, uh, in the arrest uh, uh, indictment documents that eventually put him in the ground. But, um, you know, again, this cabal's all powerful. Reagan was swimming upstream to a degree while he's trying to make things, you know, better for the world, which he did. Get H.W. Bush and Oliver North meeting Bill Clinton in a an old bunker down in Maine, Arkansas, where they were running the Clowns in America drug operation, um, that Air America operation uh, that you saw Tom Cruise in that movie. And I always had a problem. You know, Oliver North is this war hero and, and has a show and everybody loves him. And he stood in front of the Imperial Congress and all that. But my question is, why were you working with H.W. Bush? And, and working on bringing these drugs into the United States, which they put under the black community in Los Angeles. There's a, there's a film called uh, uh, Kill the Messenger. It's a great film to watch because this guy was destroyed, this reporter. Uh, they destroyed him, destroyed his life, and then, quote, unquote, had a suicide in a hotel room because it was all true. And, um, and, and it was about all of that. But how is it that uh, they can get away with all that stuff right under the nose of Reagan? You know, people don't realize the presidency is a, a very insulating institution for a human being to be in. Um, and you're surrounded by people that you just keep other things away from you from learning different things and knowing the truth of what's going on out there in the world. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think he had his hands full. I think he did the best he could and he certainly didn't really give Bush an endorsement on his way out. I'm pretty sure he knew who he was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. There's a, uh... You know that video on the uh, on YouTube. You can find it about the uh, the letters at the Bush Senior funeral. What do you think was on those letters? Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I've seen a couple things that they potentially were that it was H. W. Bush saying they know everything. I'm sorry. Or I saw one that had a big in the card that said "Game over." Thank you for playing. Uh, that was the alliance t- taunting the cabal, the deep state powers. Um, but I, regardless of what was on it, the only relevant thing is how did they all respond to it? How they all respond to it? Yeah. They know they were warned right down to Pence, all of these criminals and, you know, Kabbalists and satanic ritual abusers, they were all put on notice. I heard that of what they found underground again, confirmed, I can't confirm any of it, but what I've been hearing is what, what they have now, what they're unearthing, the, the thousands of, uh, that they're rescuing in these underground systems, cages and humans for 30 years that have been down there being tortured for, all, for this adrenochrome machine and at the disposal of the politicians in D.C., um, that uh, Obama was the worst of, of all of them, the, the satanic, the, the, this, the horror of what he per- would perpetuate on a human being. True or not is what I heard. I don't disbelieve any of this stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's dark. It's hard to get your head around. It's hard to keep your vibration up when you talk about this. But um, it brings my vibration up because I know just knowledge of all this raises the collective consciousness of the planet uh, in, in a way, shape, or form. Yeah. But, do, you, uh, do you have a theory on George Floyd? Do you think that went down the way they claimed it did? Somebody sent me a video not too long ago that said that he was alive and all this stuff. And, and you know, it was a per- pretty compelling video. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but do you have a, a theory on it? Do you think he's alive? It, I'm not. It's 50-50 to me. He could still be alive. Um, and it was all, all set up, believe me, these, these things, all those all those ridiculous anomalies in that situation that you see, you're like, that's crazy. 
you know, where were the real medical tech guys? You don't pick up a, a, a body that appears to be lifeless with his head flopping around and, you know, heave it up onto a gurney like a sack of potatoes and then shove it into a, uh, an ambulance. They got, they got, they got uh, vital sign, you know, monitors on this guy. They're trying to figure out, you know, they don't even try to save, you know what I mean? It's all, yeah. it's, you look at all this stuff, it's like, again, anything that's in front of a camera that causes chaos, <laughs> it's, uh, it's likely bullshit. So, yeah, yeah I, I would almost fully expect him to be alive. Look, he's been involved in this stuff for a long time. He did live in Houston. Apparently, he was a driver. He was with the Somalis driving guns that they were importing in the United States, driving them from Florida clear into into um, into that area and um, in, into Minnesota. And um, uh, they're stockpiling them up there. They've been stockpiling them under Keith Ellison for years. Keith Ellison is a congressman. Um, and uh, ran for the DNC chairmanship. But that other lunatic Perez actually won it. Um, but yeah, so they got this gun gun operations up there. They were using to to distribute all these to take down the U.S. when they were going to make their move under Hillary. So George Floyd was involved in that. Again, you know, the guy is a criminal. Period. He's a forking criminal. But yet they make him out to be this unbelievable hero. He was a criminal. Yeah, a criminal. Yeah, they pulled him out of a car that day. You know, he's all. Uh, hopped up on fentanyl he was getting ready to drive and maybe kill somebody's family and just the 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 timing of it was weird and you know then there's like 40 minutes of body cam footage out there that that kind of changes the perspective of it a little bit like i have to admit the first time i saw it and and heard him scream for his mom and all that stuff it, it made me tear up and it was hard for me to watch and then i watched the whole thing and i'm like well he was yelling for his mom before he was put on the ground and and he was saying he couldn't breathe before they put him on the ground. And he asked them to put him on the ground. And there's just so much to it. And then the the media just didn't... I think it's just disgusting what the media gets away with. I hope that they pay for the things that they've done. Because think how much damage and life, loss of life and everything that came from that day. And and if it went down the way they said, then, you know, it's horrible. But I it just, it just the whole thing just seemed kind of weird to me. So I was just curious what your opinion of was it of it of it was and i haven't heard anything about Derek chauvin since then either you know have yeah, you it's interesting how these false flags they always have the same crisis actors that show up <laughs> yeah you go through all these false flag attacks and and they you know they they rope in all the video footage of the people that are on there talking on a microphone or whatever you're like hey wait that person was over in that false flag now they're the one that was in the shooting in thousand oaks that happened in california they show up everywhere. Yeah. Again, they get away with truly these guys can get away with anything because American, the, the American people just have become totally brain dead, stupid. Uh, that just refuse to, to, to believe what they see. It's like, don't believe your lying eyes. Believe us, the media. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy. Even if you show people, you show them the video footage of these things. Ah, I don't believe that. I don't yeah. believe that. It's yeah. crazy to me. I don't believe that. <laughs> it's oh. the craziest thing. Yeah. But you know what? That's exactly what uh, that's exactly what the cabal wants. I never wear this thing on frontward. I always figure that the, that takes the light away from from uh, maybe it'll help that, that glare in my glasses. I always get they complain about that <laughs> my reading glasses cause that glare. But um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's what it is. It's you know if you grow up in this thing, Tim, that's all the human mind knows. It's the human mind is so powerful. But what scares me, it's so easily to program, too. Yeah. That's what I learned this at a relatively young age in my life that 
you can basically pump information into people's brains over and over and over, and then basically turn them into a wind-up doll that they'll just parrot whatever you pump into their brain. And that's something that always scared me. It's the power of building a cult or a cult following uh, and taking away the ability for people to independently think. I remember a friend of mine who was a, a Marine Corps major at the Pentagon, um, our captain, he was passed over for major um, because in his review, they said he was an independent thinker, right? The military is very structured. They don't want independent thinkers. So, um, but it just goes to show you how easily programmable we are. Um, and some people will fight for a narrative that's not even their own. It came from their party or their candidate or the news station they watch and they will fight. They'll destroy relationships. They'll destroy marriages. They'll destroy friendships on a narrative that's not even thought out by them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When I first started, when I first brought up, um, you know, my first, my brother first, uh, presented, you know, nine 11 being an inside job and all that to me. And I, you know, I have to remember, I thought he was crazy at first too. Um, but then when I started digging into it and watching how the, the buildings turned into powder and everything else, it started making a lot more sense to me. And, and I was all fired up about it. And, uh, after one of my shows, these two friends of mine came to my hotel room and I was telling them all about it. And one of them just started going, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Like people genuinely don't want to know how freaking evil this is. You know, they would rather just live their lives. And, and I get that to a point, but you know, when you realize that it's all predicated on a lie, like even what goes on at the airport, it's all bullshit, you know, like, like we shouldn't be doing it this way. It just, it, it starts to make you crazy. And once you, once your eyes are open to it, you can't just, I've tried, I've tried to just not think about those things and go about my life as normal and, and not focus on the things I don't control. But some things just need to be brought to the forefront, you know, in, in my opinion, um, and I think, obviously, in your opinion, too, or you wouldn't be doing what you do. Uh, what do you, what's going on with Jelaine Maxwell? Do you, when, when is that going to present itself? Like, Good question. I haven't heard anything. Um, yeah, she's obviously singing, giving up everybody. Uh, but I don't know. I really, I, they've kept a pretty tight, tight lid on what's happening there. Yeah. There are always things that come out. But I think they come out because they're allowed to. There are people like us out here that, that know some things we want to know, some information that things are progressing. But like anybody else, um, her, anybody else, they're going to keep them. They're going to work them psychologically like they've worked everybody else. They're going to get out of them what they need. You know, they want better conditions, work, you know, living conditions, whatever. They're going to give up information. You know, and again, the thing about all these people is this. And I say this all the time. These people are not just criminals. They're chicken shit cowards. And that's why we can beat them. That's why we had the ability to beat them. Yeah. Because there are people like you, Tim, as Reagan said it, that we would rather die on our feet than live on our knees. And there are a number of us that absolutely mean that to the very end. These people don't have that kind of courage. They don't have those kind of convictions. They're not going to go down or I guess Hanks was one of the guys that did right up to the end. And he's the worst of the worst, I guess, in terms of in a high-level position in the satanic order before they took him out. Yeah, who, um, was, who was, I'm sorry? Who, who Pardon did you, me? Who did you say? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Hanks, okay. So, but all these people, when they're caught, what do they do? They crack. They start giving up everybody. They throw everybody they know under the bus. 
They don't have any convictions. They're not going to die by that conviction. They're going to try to save their asses and stay alive, right? And they do it. They do it all the time. Yeah. So I'm quite certain that's exactly what's happening with her. She's just giving giving up everything and everybody because that's what the other side always does. You see it with all the criminal politicians. They'll go in front of a camera. They'll humiliate themselves to keep their position like Trent Lott did when he uh, honored um, um, uh, Strom Thurmond whenever he, he, he died. Uh, Trent Lott became an ass-kissing, bootlicking coward going on BET and not kissing that because he wanted to stay in power. Um, But they'll they'll do anything. They'll they'll do anything. They'll embarrass themselves. They'll get in front of a judge when they're being sentenced, when they lied and lied and lied in front of all the American people on a crime they committed. They'll lie like every criminal. They lie up to the end. But once they get sentenced and they know they're going into pen and their life's going to suck every day forward, they break down bawling. I'm so sorry I let you down. I, they want forgiveness. It's like I have more respect for the criminal that who got you know busted, and he's a he's a total you know ass in front of the whole court the whole time, and he gets and he gets convicted, and then on the way out he looks over at the jury and goes, you know, <laughs> I have more respect for that guy. Way more respect than these people that break up. He has conviction. He knows he's a criminal, and he's like saying. I am a criminal and fork you. And he goes off and serves his time. Yeah. That guy's has commands more respect for me than these criminal politicians. Yeah. They'll cry. They'll lie. And then they'll cry. You know, that's part of the reason I've grown to love, uh, Trump is because he, you know, he, he's, he might not be like, you know, Mr. Political correct, uh, you know, Americans are so obsessed with window dressing. They would rather somebody like Joe Biden smile at him. And, and I had a woman say one time she liked the way she was going to vote for Biden because she liked the way his silver hair looked against his blue eyes. And I'm like, are you shitting me? That's what you're going to vote for the president for? You know, um, and Americans would almost rather have you uh, look him at somebody, look him in the eye and tell him, you know, everything's going to be OK and then stab him in the back than just for someone to just tell him how it is. It's enough to drive you crazy. Um, you had said something recently about uh, Adolf Hitler, and I wanted to ask you about it because you didn't you didn't go into it um, at least not in the episode that I saw. You didn't go into it very deep. What is something about Hitler that a lot of people don't know? Well, that's probably something I wouldn't delve into deeply right now. But I I will say this: I think when people get to learn the true history of the world, even World War II. They're going to be blown away as much as anything they've ever heard. Um, you know, again, these are things that I've been looking into researching. All I can say is this. The winners write the history books. The cabal, they always stack the deck so they win. They're the ones that finance both sides of every war. Uh, their puppets are the ones that are in positions of leadership and power in every country on earth. They're the ones that are moving the pieces around on the chessboard They're the ones that are creating the various competing ideologies instituted into these leaders and countries and thrown into play to create the chaos they do. And then when somebody goes against them, when somebody decides they're going to create their own currency system and unhitch it from this massive central banking empire and that they're going to really work toward improving the standard of living for their people, um, just like Gaddafi did and just like others that they've taken out, then you have to ask yourself, I wonder how much of what they say about Hitler or World War II is true. Because all we know 
is what we've been fed from the history books that has been written by the cabal powers. And so the only way that I can, can draw any parallel is this. The greatest existential threat they have ever faced is Donald Trump. What do you think if they actually won this war, which they didn't and won't, what do you think they would write in the history books for the next 50 to 100 to 200 years about Donald Trump? What do you think they would say about him based on everything the media has said about him the day he threw his hat in the ring and said he was a racist and a bigot when they have all the evidence and photographs and events, historical, with Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Rosa Parks, Muhammad Ali, getting all these awards for what he's done for black America in the inner cities. Yet I have friends who are white leftist liberals that believe he is a racist. Yeah. Take all that shit they put on Donald Trump from these last five years, the most horrible person on the planet. What do you think they would be putting in the books over the next 50 years to make you believe this was the most evil man on earth? Now, if you can answer that question, then say to yourself, I wonder. I wonder about the other people that they had to deal with who decided to go against them in the past. Then you say to yourself, I wonder how much of our history is true and how much is complete bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So that's all I'll say about that subject for now. And I've actually got to okay. close out because I got to get ready for our live stream here uh, coming up here pretty shortly. But cool, brother. It was, uh, yeah, I had two more questions, but I'll let you go um, real quick. Why should I take my, my family and pictures of my boy off of Facebook? <laughs> well, I, I, I've uh, for many years said people are crazy for putting their whole life on Facebook. <clears throat> um, that's this is a CIA project. Zuckerberg didn't create it. It's all a lie. Just like Google. These are all agency-funded projects. LifeLog was decommissioned in 2004 after they realized that if Americans thought that there was a military project, a DARPA project to get people to openly disclose everything about their lives for tracking purposes, um, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't accept it. Decommission it one day, same day commission Facebook. Make up a bullshit story about David Rockefeller's grandson, Zuckerberg, who's not even his name. That's bullshit, too. Yeah. And Zuckerberg you're seeing right now is not even Zuckerberg. All these anomalies. But, yeah, people just want to openly pour everything about themselves on Facebook. All they're doing is setting them up for tracking. You know, not, not to mention the pedophiles out there, you want to keep putting your kids out there, pictures, all that kind of stuff where they, they can easily track you down. Yeah. I, uh, somebody that was a significant other in my life in the past, I was trying to explain that you're crazy, but, um, I would get attacked because I wouldn't put all my life on Facebook. I'm like, don't, you know, don't be, I don't put my life on Facebook. I use it as information warfare. That's all it is. It's an information warfare platform for me. Uh, but I'm not giving up, you know, Occasionally, I'll put something up for a reason, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put my whole life out there for them to have an open season to try to attack me. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing, in my opinion. But again, well, uh, so that's that, my friend. All right, buddy. Well, I could, uh, as always, I could talk to you all day because uh, I think you're a fascinating dude, and and uh, we love. I love your live streams. My wife does too, and and uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I know you will, and uh, keep fighting the good fight, and I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy these days, so I'll let you go, but uh, 
God bless you, and I'll let you know when this is up. I think I'm going to have it have it up by Friday is the plan. So, yeah, folks, uh, my listeners, this is Tim Gaither. Uh, you know, he's a he's a wrestling fan as I am. Uh, let's hope Penn State gets back in the. Uh, let's see, Penn State hopefully can win their eighth, ninth title in eleven years back there in the NCAA's. Hopefully, <laughs> Who knows? yeah, it's crazy what's going on. Yeah, in wrestling these days, but I appreciate all the work you're doing too, my friend. I'm just. Glad to be fighting this fight on this line with you, and we'll just keep doing doing what we got to do, my friend. Well, you've inspired me to uh, to to just do live streams. I've I've started uh, you know I've started to do it a million times, and something always holds me back. And and I think I just if once I hit record, I think I'll be fine. You know, I just need to do it. Absolutely, or, or yeah. Just, it's uh, listen. I've. I've probably in, in different endeavors in my life probably should have started doing stuff like live streaming for different things in business or otherwise the wellness industry years ago. It took me until, you know, <laughs> I got kicked off the bench. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's, it's an easy thing to do. Yeah. So people want to know what you know, buddy. So good luck to you on that. God bless you, man. We'll take care. We'll see you later. All right, brother. All right, everybody. Scott McKay, super fascinating dude. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. There's a couple questions I didn't get to, but for the most part, I uh, asked just about everything I wanted to ask him. I did want to ask him what he thought China's role in this was, but uh, I'm going to have to do a new introduction because my introduction got messed up at the beginning of that. Zoom is not a perfect science by any means, Um, but make sure you check out his work on Patriot Street Fighter. Um, He also has a website. um, Gosh dang it, I'll put it in the links because I can't remember exactly what it is right now and I don't want to give you the wrong one. Um, as always, go to Making It Happen, M-A-C-A-N-It-Happen.com. Help out little bow making. My website is TimGatherComedy.com. And um, what else was I going to tell you? Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. And I'll say this again in the intro, but I wanted to say that I, I'm going to have a lot of a variety on this channel, the Positive Pessimist podcast. It's going to be uh, comedians and wrestlers and anybody that I find interesting and... Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of solos myself, and I do plan to start doing live streams. Just suck it up and do it. I don't know what I'm so worried about. It's just, uh, it's not that big a deal. Um, So I'm just going to make myself do it, and I really appreciate the support, and I hope you guys are all doing as best you can with all this, and have faith, because it's going to turn around. I really believe that, and God bless all of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care. Bye. Do us both a favor, and click on that subscribe button.